Hi, I'm Dan Boyd. I'm Kimmy Zeiler. St. Ignatius of Loyola said, Out of gratitude and love for him, Jesus Christ, we should desire to be reckoned fools. We're seeking to discover Christ in everything, from the banal to the sublime, and this is Fools, fools for, for Christ. Christ. Hello and welcome to the podcast. We have a lot to get through, so we're just going to go really, really fast today. We are talking about 800 books every Catholic should read. Okay, and just so that you can, in case we don't have time for all of them, we want you to have the list. So we're going to go through it right now. So, one, the Bible. Two, confessions. Three, Theology of the Body or a Commentary on It. Four, Mere Christianity. Five, A Severe Mercy. Six, Practicing the Presence of God. Seven, Handmaid of the Lord. Eight, What is Redemption? Nine, Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church. Ten, Living the Good Life. Let's stick with that for now, and if we <laughs> if we have time to get to the other 790, we shall get there. I don't think we will, um, so we'll just we'll try to we'll work through these. We'll stick to these, these yeah. ten. Okay, all right. But there are definitely... <laughs> There are definitely 790 other books that are worth oh, reading. Oh my goodness, yes. And these aren't necessarily even like the 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 best of the the 700 and, or the 800. Um, <laughs> but it was just books that I think we thought like these are worth reading. Everybody can get something out of them. And these were um, focused. So we've talked before about reading spiritual classics. You know, books written by saints. So we. Um, as much as we love those books and think those are books every Catholic should read, these are more focused on different doctrines of the faith. Yes. So almost like... Different aspects of living out the faith. The image that came to mind was the facets of a diamond. And hmm. they, like, they all... So, I mean, there's some, they're, they're very diverse um, on purpose. Man, like, my adrenaline, like, really hiked during that intro, Dan. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to... It minded, too, a little bit. Like, I think my, my heart rate's still going. And it, that's one of the, like... <laughs> You can trick your body into thinking that there's a mini crisis by like rushing around or doing things. And, um, I think we had it going there. Um, Achieved. So the Bible is our first one on here. Yes. And um, this is, I feel like this is one of those, this is a Mount Everest or it's rather it's a, for those of you who live in Florida know what Sugarloaf Mountain is. It's a Sugarloaf <laughs> that looks like Everest. And what I mean by that is Sugarloaf Mountain is the highest point in Florida and it's like 200 feet above sea level. <laughs> and you can drive there. And it's like, it's not that hard to do, but everybody's afraid of, not that people are afraid of Sugarloaf, but they're afraid of tackling the whole Bible. Um, mm. And I, I feel like of the big, of the major religions, Catholicism is kind of on its own in turn. Like, we're not as good at reading scripture, or at yeah. least my perception of, of Jewish and Islamic people is that they read their scriptures and they mm -hmm. know it really, really well. Yeah. And I don't feel like we have that tradition and I want to build it. Like I want it to become normal for, honestly, for like Catholics to learn Greek and Hebrew when they grow up so they can read scripture. <laughs> um, but a good way to start be awesome. is by just reading it. So if you want to know a place to get started, Gospel of Mark, boom. You can probably read oh, it yeah. in an hour. Um, in an hour, you think? I think so. Okay. Um, it's, it's 16 chapters. I think it took me a couple of months, but that was only reading it chapter by chapter. Okay. Like a chapter a day. Yeah. You could definitely, it would be very easy to do four chapters. And I don't think that would take you 15 minutes. It might take you 20. So, I mean, maybe you're looking at an hour and a half. But I think okay. it's reasonable to try to read Mark in an evening. Um, a week is very reasonable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's also beautiful to see. Like, I know the first time I read the whole um, Gospel of Mark cover to cover mm -hmm. um it just puts everything in perspective 
of when Jesus did certain things. Because we're always hearing in Sunday different parables, different stories. Right. And it's so different to see the scriptures unfold in a timeline and didn't be like, oh, Jesus, you were just talking about this and now Peter's asking you again? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to like have those things kind of unfold before you. Yeah. Like we do, at Mass, we don't have time to do really any more than what we do. Which is why it's so good to go, like you said, to get the narrative, to understand, like, this is Jesus's life and not have everything piecemeal, kind of like a, um, a jing, a, like, all mixed up, uh, jigsaw <laughs> puzzle, like, I'm jumbling my words here, I can't even get them out, but like, yeah. you get, we got to put the pieces together and see the whole picture. Um, yeah. if we really want to, I mean, and, and that's true both of the gospel and all of salvation, which you see in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and a good, I think a good way to go through it a little more easily is to get a good guide. Yes. So we'll throw, now we're down to 789 books left. Um, <laughs> you can read the Bible by Peter Kreeft, um, which he walks through pretty much every book. So nice. um, that's an easy one. And there's there's others out there. But um, I also, just to give you more credit to this, yes, start with Mark. But one of the things that was most, um, I guess, life-changing with the class that I took that was most life-changing for me while I was at Franciscan University was unfortunately not a Scott Hahn class, which is surprising. Um, it was actually a undergrad course on the Old Testament because surprise, surprise, they had us read pretty much the whole yeah, Old yeah. Testament mm-hmm. in that semester. Um, and so, yeah, there were certain bits that we, we passed over and talked about rather than reading the full book and things like that. Um, there were some books that we read snippets of to get the picture rather than reading the whole book. But um, that changed my understanding of God and who God was because I finally got to see that in the full context. And so instead of looking at God as this wrathful, vengeful being in the Old Testament, I got to see his covenantal love right. and the way he kept promising himself to his people. Yeah. And as Jesus as the fulfillment of that. And so it just changed my whole perspective on the faith. I think it's a misconception that the Old Testament God was revealed as Zeus, like just a Jewish mm-hmm. Zeus, mm-hmm. Um, and he's not. Like he continues to to offer himself and to, I mean, like there's the image of the like the the husband with the unfaithful spouse, and the unfaithful spouse is Israel. He like he's not being fooled. He's not being tricked. He just really, really loves us, mm-hmm. um, and that's not a vengeful. I mean, if, if he was vengeful, like. He would have killed Adam and Eve, <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah, um, yeah, or Abraham, or Moses, or I mean, all these other people. And um, if and if you read it in order, uh, what's so, again? You, you really should read the Old Testament with a guide. But if you read it in order, it gets to this point where finally David comes on the scene, and you're like, "Who is this guy? This guy's amazing. This guy's gonna he's this is it. This this guy's gonna be the king. This guy's gonna be awesome. He's gonna be the keeper of the covenant." And then David falls. He does. And you're like, oh, like, stab in the heart, David. Yeah. What did he, you do to me, man? He really screws it up. <laughs> he makes it really bad. So, but it's, that's, uh, I, I'm probably just geeking out like a nerd here, but that's the level of which you can actually dive into the Bible and into scripture yeah. to make it come alive. So, we recommend the Bible. <laughs> It's really more than one book, but it's all bound in one cover. Um, and if you want to, like, if you want to kind of build up your momentum, read Titus, read Philemon, mm-hmm. read one, two, three, John. Those, like, 
I like Timothy for yeah. second Timothy. Yeah. You can like you can read Philemon in sixty seconds. I'm not <laughs> joking. Like you can read Philemon in sixty seconds. Titus will take you hundred and eighty seconds mm-hmm. or something. I mean they're they're all like Philemon is one oh, page. No. Even on a Bible that doesn't have tiny print, which is most of them. Um, so start with the little stuff to build up momentum. Um, Malachi is good. That's easy to get through. Um, Song of Songs is good. That's easy mm-hmm. to get through. I mean, it takes some understanding to get there, yeah, right, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, it, it does. But it's a short um, one. Right. Uh, what is it? Is it Ruth? Ruth is short, too. Ruth is short. Ruth is beautiful. Like, there's, yeah. there might oh be no more beautiful short story in all of Scripture. Um Story, not in the sense of it's fictional, but just it's a, it's a narrative. It's not mm-hmm. like it's not like Leviticus or Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, those were tough to get through. I literally had to write a summary on each chapter of Numbers. Oh, so I was literally man. just writing out. Yeah. Okay. They're they have more people. <laughs> they have a thousand more people now. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Number two on the list is and we'll have to speed it up now because yes, we, we give the Bible a lot of time, but it deserved it is the Confessions by St. Augustine. And I think you could argue anything by St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Um, but Confessions are his most known. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's his conversion story. And it's so introspective. That's what's neat about it, is I think that's that's unusual for for that period in of the world. Like mm-hmm. People were not writing introspective psychological books at the time. It just wasn't a thing, Yeah. Um, as far as I understand. So that's he's kind of a landmark book in that sense, but he, he chronicles his own conversion. And I, for me, and I would imagine this is there for most people, you see, if not echoes, then like direct one-to-one of that's how we wrestle with God. Hmm. Um, so I love it. I, love, I, mean, I feel like I cry when I read the confessions. Hmm. We read it in my Western mysticism class that I took at UCF as a class, which amazing that that's what our secular professor had us read. Yeah. But we, um, <clears throat> the discussion that came from that was just phenomenal. So many people, because it's so relatable. Yeah, yeah. So read it in a group and discuss it. There you go. <laughs> Number um. three, theology of the body, or uh, if you cannot commit to reading the whole audiences, which we highly recommend, yes, then sticking to a commentary on the audiences uh, by like Christopher West, Edward Tree. Yeah, and I'd say if you're if you're going to do a commentary, then read a couple to get a full purview of it, and because mm-hmm. s- some people, in the effort to make it um, digestible and understandable, condense it down, and then w- they naturally miss things. So in that sense, like Christopher West's approach is uh, very heavy on the like the theology of marital love, which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Yeah, and then Edward is it Sry Sry. I thought it was Sri. I don't know. Sri, yeah. I, I could be totally wrong. Every, yeah. We'll have to look it up later. Yeah. So um, S-R-I is his last mm-hmm. name. Um, he has a book on uh, filial love. So like the love between friends, mm. um, which is that's that's m- the majority of most people's relationships um, in learning how to, how to interact with people. So cannot recommend Theology of the Body highly enough. Um I think it's already started to be revolutionary in the church in a good way mm-hmm. and will only continue to be so. I do want to recommend, if you are reading the full audiences, something that I frequently recommend to others that seems to help is just take it piece by piece. Just keep working through it. If you feel like he's repeating himself, it's because he is. Um, that's how Pope, J- uh, Pope John Paul II 
St. Pope John Paul II, that's how he writes. He writes in a circular motion. So yeah. you get closer and closer and closer to the truth. Yeah. But he repeats himself every go around. Yeah. And so uh, each time he repeats himself, he's going slightly deeper into the mystery. So just be patient with it. And if it feels, it'll start out feeling like it's super easy. Why are you spending so much time on this? Um, but there is a reason for it. Yeah. All right. Um, and that's, I would say any of the kind of the deeper books that we recommend or any, like anything in the faith that's a little more difficult, most people aren't used to reading that kind of thing. And they get discouraged because they think like, oh, I'm not smart enough to understand this. You are, mm -hmm. like you really almost certainly are. It's just, it's not, it's not a dime store novel, which I really like reading those too, because <laughs> they're easy and they're fun. Yeah. Um, but this is, you gotta, you gotta work at it a little bit more to wrap your, your mind around it. And then you get there and you're like, oh, this is this is so beautiful. I'm so glad I, I worked this hard to get there. Yeah. Um, so don't give up And if it's a really tough book. Like you might you might find the confessions to be that way. You might find a lot of the Bible to be that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like true. Job. Um, oh, Job is so hard. I, st I need to go back to Job and yeah. sit with that. <laughs> um, so the next one, this is actually, I would say it's the opposite. Like this is a very approachable book. Yes. And it is, if, like, if I were to recommend a book to anybody after scripture, it was like, here's a really easy way to, to like understand or to get a good argument for the existence of God or why Jesus was necessary. Mere Christianity mm -hmm. by C.S. Lewis. Um, another pretty easy read, I'd say. Like you can get through it pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and it's another good one to talk about. You can probably find like really yeah. good commentary on YouTube about it that's free. Um, by another by Peter Kraft. I know he he's got some, some commentary by yeah, Peter Kraft. Yeah, um, Kraft by the way is K R E E F T, and he is an awesome philosopher and author out of Boston College. Um, Dan's alma mater. Yes. Um, so what's our next one on there? Our next one on there is a severe mercy by Sheldon. I do not know how to pronounce his last name. Van Nocken. Um, he was a friend of C.S. Lewis's. And his story, A Severe Mercy, is a novel, basically. It's, it's an autobiography of the love he shared with his wife. Um, and I say it that way because it starts out with him sharing that his wife has died. And then he goes back and shares the story about how they met, how they fell in love, and ultimately how their what he calls pagan love at the beginning of their marriage is redeemed and grown into this beautiful um true example of christ's love uh his wife converts um becomes ill and it's only on her deathbed that he begins to pray and convert and later in life after she's passed he converts to christianity and later to catholicism so it sounds like it might be a little sad at times, but probably very beautiful. It's also one of the most uplifting books. Oh, wow. Because it gives a definition to love that, yes, it starts out brutally sad because he starts right up front by talking about, you know, his wife has died. Yeah. Um, so I'm not spoiling anything <laughs> in this book, but he goes, um, he plums the depth of what it means to love another. Okay. And that's something that I don't think many have really articulated as well as him. That's a that's a pretty high compliment. Uh, <laughs> so that's so I have not read that one, so I really want to know. Yeah, it's a good one. 
So the next one is a book on prayer to get everybody praying quickly. And it is Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Or the, sometimes the, the title is written, The Practice of the Presence of God. Okay. Um, I think on Amazon you can find them both ways. Um, this book taught me how to begin to pray at all times. Hmm. And it's, again, you can read a chapter in about a minute. Um, so, and it, it's a kind of, it's a cookbook. It tells you what to do so then you can go do it. Which nice. is, I think, what we all want in prayer. Like, yeah. Um, it's a, I mean, in short, he gives the steps that he took to develop the mental habit of always being aware of God's presence in his life, which is kind of the, to me, it's, that's the necessary step of learning how to rely on God at all times to, and to allow him to break into, not like in a violent sense, but just to, to move from being the God who's out there to being the God who's in us and in, lives and breathes and acts mm. in us. Hmm. I'm going to have to read that. I haven't read that one, Dan. I'm going to have to read it. I've heard amazing things about it, though. Yeah, You're not no, the first who's recommended it to me. He, so he's not a saint yet. Um, I think it was written... I know it was written several hundred years ago, and it's still popular, which tells you it's it, it's useful. And it's not popular just because of the name. It's popular because of the content. Hmm. So highly recommend it. Cool. Yeah. Next up on our list is Handmaid of the Lord by Adrienne von Speyer. Um, she's my favorite. I happen to have several of her books. Um, got a whole little section on my shelf. <laughs> uh, this book in particular, though, is probably one of her most famous. Um, she had, uh, she's a mystic. Um, she was the, her spiritual director was Hans Urs von Balthasar, who's a famous Catholic theologian, mm -hmm. and uh, she would dictate to him and he would write down. So she's French, and she would speak German to him, and he would write it down in German. Huh. So her, the words she uses are not, like, it's not her first language. Yeah. So it's not like she's using terribly big words, but the, the depth of which she speaks is so profound that this book actually took me a year to work through because it's one that you have to pick up and read for 30 minutes and then sit back down and think about it for a week gotcha. before you pick it back up and read the next 30 minutes of dictation that she would have given yeah, yeah. von Balthasar because it's just so deep and meaningful. Um, she, This book is about Our Lady and it basically at every stage of Mary's life she's looking at the way that Mary's fiat affected that aspect of her life um so mary living in a total yes and openness to god how does that how did that look at the cross yeah. how did that look when she was betrothed to joseph how did that look during jesus's ministry and um she plums into the depths of our lady's heart and ruminates on that and tries to explore that and this, I mean, this has changed my um, relationship with Our Lady and just deepened my own understanding of Our Blessed Mother. It sounds like, in a, in a very beautiful way, the type of book that you don't want to finish and it, you kind of mm. savor it, um, which is because some of the ones we've recommended are far more narrative driven and it's the kind of thing you finish um, or maybe even go back to and finish again. And this is, sounds like something you savor. Yeah. Which is definitely parts of scripture that are like that, but this is there. 
Um, <laughs> awesome. I have not read that one, so I'm gonna. I want to read that one. You're um, welcome to have my coffee. I've got a lot of underlines on it. Oh, thank you. And little hearts next to certain <laughs> parts. <laughs> That's what I do when something like strikes me. I put a little heart. I don't know. I actually, I've kind of developed a little code for yeah? myself to like. I've probably been doing it for like eight years now of just symbols that I, I knew. Okay, I can. I'll come back to this, and that helps me know. Um, like I need to, I either wanted to reread this and think about it more, or this was a main point. Hmm. Um, so I don't have to write main point. I just have a symbol now that, that gets there. What's your um, symbol for that? It's a secret. <laughs> oh, come on, Dan. <laughs> um, no, the, so actually I would draw a little set of railroad tracks if I wanted to reread something. Oh, okay. Um, for the double R. Okay. Um, which you might think, like, isn't it quicker to just write a double R? Not always. And sometimes you don't have necessarily have room for that, and I can do the railroad tracks very quickly. Hmm. Um, nice. Yeah. So next up, um, another one. I don't think it, you've read this one either. No. This is called What is Redemption? Um, by Felipe de Trinitate. Um, it is out of print. There, I looked up online. There are still a few copies for like thirty bucks. Um, Doctor Han actually had this reprinted for our class specifically for our class because he wanted us to read it. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so I do own a copy of it. Um, I've not found anything that... it Basically, it explains why Jesus died on the cross. And it seems like a simple question, but it's so central to our faith and so easily misunderstood Yeah. that he really... Uh, first, he talks about the image of like the wrathful God and how that's what we buy into that Jesus was satisfying the wrath of God. And basically the first three chapters is him just obliterating that idea and showing us how wrong it is. And yet how widely we believe it. Yeah. And then he proposes the solution quoting, um, Aquinas saying that it's, um, because of the love of God. And then he explains how the love of God is truly our salvation in the cross and why the cross is the concrete example of the love of God. Um, and so it's just a beautiful outlining example of wh why Jesus saved us and how and why it's important. What is redemption? Yeah. It that's, answers that question. Kind of like that's the central mystery of Christianity. So it's, <laughs> I searched far and wide for a good answer to that question when I was teaching, because I was teaching the Paschal Mystery. And I wanted the students to get, like, what is redemption? What does it actually mean? Um, and I, I never really found a good explanation of it. So I'm very excited to um, to read something that you speak so highly of. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So the next one, and I just thought this was important because it's kind of a little bit of what Catholics do and how we live, mm -hmm. is Compendium of the Social Doctrine of the Church. And this... It's so weird to me that like a whole section of Catholicism has become politicized. Yeah. To the point where like you're you're a certain type of Catholic if you like certain things. Mm -hmm. And I like I mean, imagine if like the Ten Commandments got split down the middle. Or split from like <laughs> you know, one to four and then six to ten. It's like That's well, a really they, good way to put it. Like <laughs> this is like this is what good Catholics do. Good yeah. Catholics in it it's excellent to think about it. Like that's a division of our relationship with God and our relationship with neighbor. Um, mm. And, you know, like 
not stealing from your neighbor and not murdering your neighbor. That's like pretty basic stuff. And that's what the social doctrine of, of the church expounds upon that and says, um, this is what it means to not murder. And it's in the fullest sense of the word. And this is what it means to not steal mm-hmm. and not covet in the fullest sense of the word. Um, yeah. So that, and that's like, I'm not familiar enough with that. Is it like, I need to spend much more time, yes, you know, less time well. looking at ESPN and, and YouTube and more time <laughs> understanding what it means to, to pursue the common good and live in community with my brother and sister. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that I've read the whole compendium on the social doctrine, but the bits of pieces that I have read, it's so practical Yeah. and straightforward and, um, beautiful just when you you actually look into um, this example of, of how we should live. Yeah. And we're not we're not saying, like, go read everybody's commentaries on what the church wants us to do. Like, this is what the church put out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's what the bride of Christ has said, this is how we're exercising our, our teaching authority. Um, yeah. Not that it's necessarily all in, infallible, but it's, I mean, we're asked to... Uh, to live by what the church puts out for us is a, um, a matter of faith and obedience. And I think it's also, I've, I guess I, we do have the time, so I want to say this quickly. I feel like our generation gets a bad rap for not being more aware of this stuff yeah. when it comes to social justice. Um, we're good about particular issues. We're the pro-life generation. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're a little bit more well-versed on the death penalty and in certain controversial issues. Yeah. But in general, social justice is the generations before us that have a better handle on those aspects of our faith. Um, Who think they do. <laughs> well, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. And looking at our generation, many of them are looking at our generation and saying, why isn't this important to you? Because yeah. we seem to put value on other aspects of the faith right. over social justice. Yeah. Um, and so when Dan and I were coming up with this list, one of the things we said was we have to have something on here for social justice. Like we can't leave that out as an important aspect of what we need to discuss and learn and grow in. Yeah. And I think this is manifested, like you said, it's just different things are highlighted by our generation, Mm -hmm. which is again, a generalization about millions of people. Yes. But, um, you know, I know, I think I know more young people who are willing to pay extra for fair trade coffee. Um, which is, a, that's part of this. Yep. And extra for chocolate. Um, whereas there's, you know, I think of um, a generation of people who protested Vietnam kind of for, like for the same, for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone might scoff at that and think like, well, we're talking about human life and, we're, you know, you're talking about chocolate. Well, like the reason people talk about chocolate and coffee is the same thing. It's about human life and dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the working environments. Yeah, yeah. And you can, I mean... Atrocious. Yeah. Like, my, my biggest thing, actually, probably the thing I'm, I'm the most passionate about is diamonds. And I tell everybody I know who's about to get engaged, don't buy a diamond. It's silly. Um, and I... Like, the, the funny thing is, I bought a diamond for my wife. <laughs> so, I, like, I, it seems hypocritical, but I didn't come to this understanding until after the fact. Um, and it's a... Like, we're, we are letting... Hollywood tell us how marriage starts. Mm. It's just really, really silly. Um, it's like go into debt and support child slavery and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, otherwise, you don't really love somebody. Like that's nonsense. 
Um, but yeah, so uh, of course, all the things we just mentioned are highly controversial right. issues. And I think if we're not well versed in this and dialoguing on it and well read on these subjects, then we can easily be swept into the current of what the culture is telling us to say and think and do. Yes. And so if we touched on any hot button things here, turn back to the compendium of social doctrine of the church and see what it is the magisterium has actually said about that. Yeah. And and form your own conscience on how it is that you're going to live based on uh, that doctrine. Amen. So the... Tenth book out of seven or out of eight hundred is <laughs> "Living the Good Life" by Mark Lowry, and this is um, this one might actually be better to read before Theology of the Body. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Because this gives the the um, the foundational thinking for the church's teaching on being good and morality, mm-hmm. and the 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 coolest thing about here, the link, is that. Being moral and being happy are exactly the same thing. Hmm. And that's, that's, it's a very counterintuitive thought based yeah. on the way we are, we're tempted by the world. Um, and that the world tempts us you know, in such a way that happiness and goodness, happiness and moral goodness are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that people are tempted to, uh, to lust or to overindulge as if to say, like, this is what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. It's not. And I think our own experience bears bears proof of that. Proof yeah. of that. When you eat too much ice cream, you do not feel like it's. <laughs> you don't get happy. Like it ends up. Yeah, like yeah. you feel it. Like I have eaten enough ice cream that I've made myself sick. Well, and at the best, you just feel more sluggish and exactly. tired yeah, and yeah. not as energized. Yeah. Um, so we all our experience tells us this is true. But um, so Mark Lowry does a great job of explaining how the the church by inviting us into a moral life, which is mm-hmm. the attitudes, the Ten Commandments, the social doctrine of the church, she's inviting us to be happy because God didn't create a law that's contrary to our freedom. He created a law that is intuitive to our freedom mm-hmm. and makes us happier. I need to read it now. It's really good. There's There are other very good books on it as well, but this is a, I think this is a great entry to, to this thinking. Um, a couple... I think we have we have time for this, but I wanted or maybe not. Um, Survey Pincares, S E R V I A S, is another good one. Um, Morality, the Catholic Vision, or the Catholic View, and then The Splendor of Truth by John Paul II, oh, which is yeah. not an easy thing to read, no. but it's still really really good. Yeah. Well, we've I think we threw an extra couple books in there, so now we only have like <laughs> seven hundred and eighty to go. Um, <laughs> So good luck with uh, reading all on all 800 of those books. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you feel free to, to email us, you can look up our contact information either at Bishop Moore at San Pedro and let us know if, if you think these this list was incomplete and what we should have added <laughs> to that and what you think of these books. And we'll probably be coming back to some of these books and discussing the actual book yeah. on different podcasts yeah. over the course of the next year or so. Um, not all at once because we don't want to... Just do book after book after yeah, talk. Yeah. But, um, we'll be coming back and talking about each book more in depth. Indeed. So until then, happy reading. Until next time.